You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Renee Zamora. And Renee is the creator of the part time sales management system, which redefines the relationship between small business owners and their sales teams. He's also an author of the same titled book, Part Time Sales Management. And as we all know, sales is the lifeblood of any business. And most businesses bleed to death because they're too focused on finding the right people and less focused on building the right environment. So, Today, Renee is here to talk to us a little bit about his book and about his system. And in particular, we're going to address three mistakes that entrepreneurs make in and around sales that are holding back their sales, right? That are preventing them from growing and getting more sales. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, welcome to the show, Renee. Hey, it's good to be here, Dennis. Looking forward to sharing what I can. Yeah, thank you for being here. It's really interesting. I always love first time conversations. You know, we've done over 200 episodes of Growth Experts which means that after a while, you know, you start talking about some of the same things over again, you know, Facebook marketing and LinkedIn and, you know, and all these different strategies, growth strategies that people have. But today's a first. We have not talked really in depth at all about sales management. And we definitely haven't talked about your niche, which is kind of this whole concept of part-time sales management, which is what the book's all about. So give us a little backdrop kind of, you know, about you. Give us one or two minutes about you and kind of how you got here. Maybe touch on the book and then we'll dive right in. Sure was going to college way back in the day and decided I wanted to work rather than read. So I started selling. <laughs> and so I was, I was a door-to-door salesman when I started back when I was 20, 19, 20, and did different careers in the Bay Area, got into the cellular industry. And out of that industry kind of led me to management. I opened up a market up in Klamath Falls, Oregon, which led me to Washington. So that was kind of the beginning of my management experience. Had good success in sales, started learning management, and then I was in a small community and the mergers and acquisitions in cellular kind of booted me out of the, the company. So I started consulting. And basically, after about five years of doing some general management consulting and training, someone said, why don't you manage small business sales teams? And they found me my first client in a week and I haven't had to look for them ever since. They've all come to me over time, just at the right time. And I've been managing small businesses, small business sales teams since 2006. And that's how it started. Love it. 2006. So that's a while, right? So that's four, what is that, 14 years? 14 I'm not years. very good at math and it's not an exact science, but that sounds right. like 14 years to it me. So now my longest career, okay? Out of all those little things, this is the longest one. <laughs> yeah, 14 is a good run. My last business I had for 13 years. I started it in 2013 and I sold it in 2016. So 14 years is quite a while. And a lot of things have changed. Obviously, technology has changed, the internet has changed. The way people sell has changed. The way you hire people has changed. The way you manage people is a lot of changes going on in and around you know that niche and that topic right. and that genre. Right. So so it's really interesting. So 
tell me a little bit about the book. Give us a one minute deal on the book. Because I mean, part-time sales management for small business sales teams. So I think that's critical as one is the book is written for small business owners. It's, I mean, corporate America can go ahead and read it and they'll pick some stuff up on it, but it's really geared towards understanding the time constraints a small business owner has, knowing they might not have a, an experience of managing sales. They just could be the entrepreneur that led that business with a passion. Maybe they sold, but they didn't know how to lead others. So it gives everyone the framework, an owner, on how to better manage their sales teams towards growth in 10 to 20 hours a month. So if they follow the system that I've done, which is nothing crazy, pretty basic stuff, you can manage your sales teams to growth in 10 to 20 hours a month. That's the intention of the book. Yeah. And if you can put a framework together like that, I mean, that sounds like it's extremely valuable because in my career over the last 25 years, a big part of that has been managing sales teams from the front end of hiring sales teams to training, to coaching, to exit interviews and, the, and everything in between. So, so if you can do that in 10 to 20 hours a month, that's a pretty good system. And I think would definitely be worth the investment. So I think I'm going to check that out myself. So, all right, here, a couple questions before we dive into the topic here. Interesting. I've been adding some new questions to the interviews to try to kind of spice them up a little bit. And I'm always <laughs> curious. So here's a question for you, right? Get a yeah. little bit micro into Renee, right? Let's talk about sure. you for a second. If you could pick any business superpower, right? a business-related superpower, what would it be? Obviously, something you don't have, right? Maybe it's something that you see other people that do really well. A superpower in me. Yes. You wish you had this business-related superpower. Well, I guess I would have to, it's probably because it's fresh right now off of unfortunate passing of Kobe, is his passion to just keep going. You know, so the superpower of like uh, what I heard him say in an interview was, you know, you never know when things are going to get hard. So he's always preparing for that time. When it's going good, it's easy to like slip up and take it easy. And when it's going hard, it's easy to get depressed and not work that hard. So his thing was just, you know, just keep at it, keep going. And that superpower I could embrace. I love that. Yeah. When he recovered from that Achilles rupture, I think it was his Achilles, right? Back in the day, he recovered from Mm -hmm. that. That would have probably put most people out of their career, right? It would have been a career ending and he came back stronger than ever. So no, I really get that. I think that's, I think that's a really interesting point. Cool. All right. Well, listen, thank you for your insight on that. Now, today we're going to talk about the three mistakes that entrepreneurs make that are holding back their sales. So why don't you start unpacking that for us? I know there's probably way more than three, but obviously we have a short time together here today. So let's talk about these three and then um, see where we go from there. Well, like we discussed, Dennis, I mean, if I'm going to make the most impact in an organization, the leader is going to be able to make that happen. So we could talk about lots of techniques on how salespeople can be effective, but if an owner or a leader shifts and they acknowledge what's not working and make something working, there's going to be changes happens regardless of what anyone else learns. And so these are the three things, uh, three things that I know for sure that I walk into lack of belief in your salespeople. When sales results aren't happening consistent basis towards the expectation, it's easy to start getting down on your people. But, you know, if they're good enough people, you don't want to get rid of them because, you know, it's hard to find them, quote unquote. So you just, you start just, you don't believe in them. You don't believe they work hard enough. You don't believe they can do more. They haven't proven they can do more. So why would you even believe that? That negative belief, and I just call it out for what it is. I call it negative belief, anything that's working against your personal or business goals. And if you don't believe your team can be successful for you, that's negative. So you got to address that. Next one is- Let's dive into that real quick. Let's, yeah. let's talk about that. Let's unpack that a sure. little bit before we move on because I know we got a few of these, but I definitely want to talk about that. So it's really interesting that you bring that up because 
you know, I think you mentioned something that was, you know, not everybody on your sales team is going to be a top performer, right? They're not going to always be hitting quota or exceeding quota. You know, you're going to have people that are going to go up and down. They're going to have good quarters or going to have bad quarters. And a lot of times what ends up happening is those are the ones that kind of, those in the the bottom 10% are the ones that, you know, really weigh on the sales manager because they do everything they can and they try to improve the performance and no matter what they do. And then they lose that belief, right? They lose yeah. that belief for whatever reason. So, you know, I want to identify obviously some mistakes that they're making, but why don't we talk for a minute on how they might be able to correct that? Is there some strategies or ideas on how they might be able to reframe that or change that? Sure. It's part of what happens. When, it's not just me that also does this work. You know, I have Noel Litterman, he's my other sales management consultant also. So when we go into a client or working with them, when you just said reframe, it's really important because that's what we're doing. We're helping business owners actually redefine how they see their people. And it's easier when we're there because they can kind of see, kind of uh, piggyback our belief. But if I'm not there, first off, you have to be willing to say, all right, what is it that I believe negatively? And you have to just call it out. Like, yeah, when I see my guys just on the computer, not on the phone, I'm old school and I think everyone should be on the phone. I know they're not working. But you know that top producer that's your number one? When you see them on the computer, for some reason, you know they're sending emails or doing research. Your whole perspective changes based on the performance of that person, what you believe they're doing right then. You could be right in either scenario or you could be wrong in either scenario. That's not the point. The point is, what does that belief do to, what does that do with your delivery and your interaction with those folks? So call it out. Next thing you need to identify is what's happening with that particular belief. So, you know, do you walk by the top ref and say, hey, who are you working? What are you working on? Because you're, you believe in them. That's a good response. You walk by the other guy and you can say like, when are you going to get out of here and work? <laughs> you should be out of the office. You know what I mean? Your reaction to them is again, all assumptive. You think you're right, but you're just making assumptions. What you can do, so acknowledge what that is, decide which behaviors support these people better. And so you have to make a choice there. Okay, I'm going to not believe, I'm going to take away my belief and I'm just going to say, this guy's been on the computer for two hours. Hey, what are you working on? Just simple. Go learn. Because that's the same thing a salesperson needs to do. You are now doing two things. You're going to help them. You're going to encourage them. The other thing you do is you're going to demonstrate when they need to go find out what's going on in the customer's mind. When they're going like, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they haven't responded. Blah, blah, blah. My favorite response is, go ask them. (laughs) Okay? Go ask a question. Yeah, making negative assumptions about any of your employees or your customers or your prospects Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to impact how you, the dialogue you have with them, you know, the, the way you interact with them and people feel that, right? I mean, especially salespeople are trained to listen and to read body language and to read people. I mean, good salespeople learn that, right? And so I think that's a really interesting point. And so the avoiding those false assumptions or making assumptions up front makes a ton of sense. If I can add 15 seconds to that, salespeople go out there and get hit with bullets. <laughs> and so yeah, managing how you approach helps the encouragement in the office helps them be encouraged out there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Renee. So we covered number one, right? We right. talked about having a lack of belief or a false belief or an assumptive belief about maybe underperformers and how that'll impact you know, their performance and the overall performance of the company. What's number right. two? Number two is making decisions for people that you hired them to make. And I learned this from an article, I think it was called McGregor online. It's an old, this old manager just, you know, always had his feet kicked up. Some guy came in to do an interview with them. 
And he just didn't do a lot of work. And what he told people is like, I allow people to make the decisions they were hired to make. I meet with them once a week. And it's actually really helped me frame my business. It's because I said, wait a minute, if I'm clear about letting somebody, telling them what they should be doing, which decisions they should be making, like who they should be calling on, how to deliver a proposal, present their pricing, so on and so forth, then those are all their job to do. I don't need to be sitting around them checking on every little thing they've done or making sure I give my input because I'm a better closer than they are and I know more about this business and you know, blah, blah, blah. In general, what happens is it goes back to the belief and people start making decisions for others because they want to settle the anxiousness they have in their spirit about this deal. What they need to do is just say, allow the people to do their job. That's what they Yeah, I do. think that falls in the, in the group of micromanaging, right? Salespeople, Absolutely. performers don't want to be micromanaged. Right. Right. If they wanted to be micromanaged, they would have taken a different job. Right. So I think that salespeople thrive on that independence, but also having that structure. So I think, you know, it's interesting that you bring that on because, you know, I don't know anybody that loves to have a sales manager leaning over their shoulder, especially if that sales manager is also the owner, right? Leaning over their shoulder and constantly asking them what they're doing or what they're not doing or, hey, try this or do this. Yeah. There's a time and a place for coaching, right? That's for it definitely should be there. But I think the thing that made it really interesting that you mentioned was, is that they actually have a system that they've already trained them on how to do it, right? So you can't just hire a salesperson and assume they're going to know. You got a proven system. They have that roadmap and then they use that roadmap. And then maybe once a week they come to you or you have office hours where they can come to you and ask you questions about what your feedback is. No, I think that makes a ton of sense because it just, it falls back into that category of just almost the false belief, right? Somehow I think they're kind of intertwined a little bit. Yeah, I think Dennis, if you, but it's really, we could talk about don't be a micromanager and, and, you know, we're all going to judge if we are, we aren't, we all have different, you know, I could be more tendency to be, want to be in more control and other people don't, whatever. But I think when I heard that particular phrase, are you making decisions, decisions that (laughs) for the people that you hired to make those decisions, it's an easy line to to determine what are they supposed to be making decisions on Am I making those for them? It helps you in that whole micromanagement thing, being specific. You know, but yes, you're right. You need to set the right parameters and structure and help them with criteria of the type of decisions you want to be made. Yeah. Hire the right people, give, empower them to make good decisions, and then let them run. I think that's been, you know, I think it's well documented that right. if you do that, right, people can flourish, right? I'm, yeah. Especially performers, especially people that are really going to rise to the level of being top performers. All right, cool. So what's number three? Number three is not responding to problems and issues, not solving issues. People ask me, why are the salespeople exaggerate? Why are they always loud? Why are they persistent? They keep telling me the same thing week after week. What's the same thing your kid, when your little kid was crying? They want to be heard. They're not being heard. So exaggeration just means someone's trying to sell you on this idea. You know, speaking loud, they're just trying to have you hear that. And once you start listening and saying, all right, what, what, but what salespeople aren't great at is they aren't great at getting down to the core issue. They're great at sharing the symptoms. And that's when people shut down. My customer's all mad, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff instead of like, we did not deliver on time and we're breaking a promise. You know, a business owner can hear that and say, oh, we broke a promise. We didn't deliver on time. How do we fix that? When you say my customer's mad because we aren't doing what we say and he's going to quit tomorrow, it just frustrates everybody. So salespeople are part of the problem. 
But if you start understanding that they're exaggerating, they're sharing symptoms, and they're speaking loud because there's a core issue there, not just this one problem, and then you start solving those issues, hearing, solving, communicating how you fixed it, two things start happening. One is your communication gets better so you stop having these fire drills all week long. You deal with issues in your sales meeting. Two is you start removing all the reasons why the salespeople can't sell because the issues are solved. <laughs> and there's nothing left to do but go make a call, get another proposal, and go close the deal. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> right, right. So what are some of the most common, what are the, some of the most common issues that you see salespeople bringing or you know, bringing to management that don't get resolved? There's not a common one. I mean, at one company, it could be their CRM systems, terrible, or the integration isn't working, it's not communicating with someone. Another place could be a department needs, to, another department needs to be addressed. You got the wrong person in the wrong seat over there and they're not doing the job and no one wants to hear it or deal with it, you know? Or it's a family member, which makes it more difficult, you know? So people issues aren't being dealt with. Or it could just be pricing. Sometimes the, the market changes and you need to adjust. We need to get a better, a better vendor to help us be more price competitive. You know, pricing isn't usually a problem, but sometimes it is. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, so it, it just varies from place to place. Yeah. There's a yeah I've, heard, I've heard all three of those in my career from salespeople yeah. that work for me. So trust me, I think, those are, I think those are spot on. You know, the one thing that I thought about is you were saying that, you know, where salespeople are identifying issues that should be addressed, right? Challenges and issues that the organization has that should be addressed. You mentioned a couple of them. I think one of the biggest things that people don't understand is that after, if you don't address these things, not only is it going to impact your sales, right? Because you're going to kind of take the fire out of the salespeople after a little bit when they don't, when you don't listen. But more importantly, it's going to cause turnover because salespeople are only going to stay in that environment for for a certain amount of time where things aren't addressed. I got to correct you on there. I got to correct you. Okay. All right. Your lower performing salespeople will stick around. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Because they're, on, <laughs> they're, they're on, not going to find a better job. Right. Your higher, higher performing salespeople will either leave or they're going to milk you for a lot of money to be able to deal with this cred. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. And I mean, the cost of turnover in sales, I mean, the yeah. cost of employee turnover is crazy anyway. But I mean, I read a study not long ago that if you turn over, a, the cost of turning over a salesperson in an organization can be as much as six figures for the, just the overall impact on the business, not counting you know, the recruiting costs and the onboarding costs and the lost revenue and all those things. I mean, it can be very, very expensive. So, those exactly. are, so we talked about lack of belief right, mm-hmm. in your sales team. We talked right. about making decisions for people that you've empowered to make decisions. You're making decisions for right. them. And then the right. third one is not responding to issues that salespeople bring to you, okay? All right, right. So anything else you want to add? I mean, we've got a little bit of time. Any other things you want to talk about on that front in regards well, to I mean, mistakes you see, you know, I mean, I mean, I think that's enough. If you, if you could address those mistakes are great, but I will just kind of, you know, give everyone a little bit of understanding of what's in the book that you can uh, use to solve those mistakes. So really, you know, so first, the first core thing is, you know, we deal with uh, how to, how to develop that positive belief about your sales. And when I say that, I don't want people to get the wrong impression that, you know, this is about, affirmations. I love my sales people. I love my sales. <laughs> it's none of that crud, you know, and it's not about trying to be phony. It's about calling yourself out for ineffective thinking. The next thing, setting clear expectations, understanding, the, understanding what your business goal is, your business plan, and sharing that with the people so then they can have an individual sales goal that matches up with your business goal, making sure your job descriptions are clean, compensations are clean, sales process is clean, and it's all linked together with the CRM. Having an environment of accountability 
is very important by accountability is just kind of sharing what's important and putting the mirror up to everyone. Like when you put the mirror up with the dashboard of metrics or monitoring activities, performance, you're basically saying this is important. And if you don't, just because you said something's important in January and you don't bring it up a whole lot, it doesn't resonate with people. They need to be reminded regularly what's important and they will like get behind it. So accountability environment. The next one is consistent meetings, weekly meetings, monthly one-on-one meetings. Got to have that. It's, it'll, it'll reduce the fire drills. If you're not having a meeting, even if you only have one or two salespeople, you should have a weekly sales meeting, even if it's just you and them, because you can deal with the issues there. It doesn't become a big investigate the pipeline every time. So there's both, both sides of the coin. And then the last thing is conversations. How you converse with your salespeople will communicate to them to the degree that you care about them and you care about their success. So if you don't have time for them, what does that communicate? If every conversation you have leads to your agenda, not theirs, what does that communicate? Conversely, if you make the time, if it's not that moment, but you make the time when they need you and you converse about what's going on and see how you can support them, well, that communicates you care. Love it. Well, you sold me. I'm going to get a copy of the book and I think everybody should. But before we talk about that and we wrap it up for today, let me ask you a couple of you know, rapid fire questions here mm-hmm. and, then, uh, and then we'll everybody wrap it up for today. So question is, what's your favorite growth tool or software, whether that be an app or SaaS product or something that you use to help grow your business, not necessarily your client's business, but your business? Hmm. The thing that comes to mind is uh, the book by David Allen, Getting Things Done because it, transcend, it, it translates to everywhere about being more efficient. Since everything comes at us through email and we're working with CRMs, how do you get your systems down so you're able to process more? In this consulting business, I had to figure out the only way I can make more money is do more clients, right? But if I work with more clients, I got to be more efficient. And so, I mean, or raise the rates. But the, uh, so I think that tool, mentally getting clear about my job isn't about remembering. My job is about creating, utilizing all the systems I have to help me stay in a creation mode. So do you, do you have a particular system that you yeah, use, use for productivity? Gmail and Zoho CRM. Okay. Those so Zoho CRM. Gotcha. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. And what would be, besides your book, of course, right, which we've talked about a little bit, and I think everybody should get a copy of, what's one book that you would recommend to my audience, something that's either helped you along your journey or you think would help them make strides in theirs? I think most salespeople that have that are working with a sale that in, uh, includes more than one buyer to make that transaction would love the book, The Joshua Principle by Tony Hughes. It is a fiction book and I read lots of sales books, but that one is, I found to be the most enjoyable read for most of my salespeople because we do book studies in my uh, sales meetings and we learn together. And it's just, a, it's a story. I let them read the story and after, uh, they're done, after that month they're done reading it, then we kind of use the appendix to kind of learn a little bit more, but it's, a, it's an enjoyable way to learn. It's kind of like the one minute manager, right? That same sort of concept, but in and around sales, right? The story. Yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. Awesome. Well, listen, really appreciate you being here, Renee. I love this topic. I think it's super relevant to entrepreneurs, small business owners. So let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn more about your book, learn more about what you do, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Sure. Easiest way to find me and find some goodies for yourself is salesmanagernow.com. Salesmanagernow.com. Go there on my homepage. You scroll down the midway. You can, I don't 
you know, I don't bore you with a lot of stuff, but in the midway down, you'll find some goodies. You can download a sales management guide, free sales management guide. You can get a discovery tool for your salespeople. You'll see my picture right in the middle. And if you want to schedule a meeting with me and just talk about whatever's going on in your place, I'll meet with anybody. Obviously, it doesn't cost you anything. You'll come away from that meeting with an idea or two. I hope you get a sense that I like to give. And if we're destined to work together, well, that'll just take care of itself. Great. Where could they get a copy of your book? Amazon? Amazon. Just go to Amazon or you can find it on my website. Get clicked on there. Part-time sales management. Perfect. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. I'll add all those links in the show notes. Have an awesome day and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Hey, thanks, Dennis. Hope I can come back and visit. Take care. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.